say this, Pastor Ricky Temple, glad you're with me today. I believe that passion is painful. And that's why this series has been so fun for me, because I believe that when you're passionate, you can feel it, you can see it, but you also can explain it. This sermon is about explanation. Nehemiah had a passion, but it wasn't just something he just thought about. It's something he could explain. He had a vision. Sometimes you say you have a passion, but you can't define it and explain it. This is going to be so good for you. So stay right there. Get ready. Get your Bible open to the book of Nehemiah. We have some explaining to do today and you won't you don't want to miss this. It's going to be it's going, it's going to be going to be. Excuse my grandma. It's going to be good. Stay right there. Welcome back. I'm glad you're with us today. I want to share a word with you today that I believe has great power and great meaning. And it's about one word, passion. And I call it painful passion. There are times in life when your passion shows up. If you are passionate, one of the things you want to be able to do is explain it. So I want to talk about passion that can be explained today. The series is called Painfully Passionate. But today we focus on an explanation. So let me give you a little background so you can catch up where we've been. In our first sermon, we talked about the first time we met together. I talked about two things. I talked about Nehemiah's ability to not only feel passionately for the people of Israel and their, their, their plight, their challenge. They were uh, in a situation where they were, they were now in exile. The walls of the city around Jerusalem were burnt down. And uh, he heard this report in, Gen in Nehemiah chapter 1, and the Bible says he wept. He wept. You could see he was passionate about his people, and you could feel it. I love that. Passion must be seen and passion must be felt. And there's something about that. There's something about how that manifests in life. Now, last week we had a, our guest come and share with you. One of our, our staff talked about the passion of a mother and how that all works. But today, I want to talk about another passion for you. The passion that I think makes a difference. Now, of course, moms have great passion. And on Mother's Day, we celebrated that. And we talked about how important it was for all of that to be understood. And it's just a powerful story that you heard last week. But I want to move today to talk about something that I think is important. Nehemiah, when he felt this passion for the people of Israel, and the king comes to him and the king says, hey, why are you sad? What's wrong? Why are you feeling like this? And the Bible says that Nehemiah was, first of all, intimidated and afraid because he knew that you don't need to go around looking sad in front of the king. So in Nehemiah chapter 2, I want to show you a text and I want you to see that Nehemiah is asked to explain his sadness. I want you to explain to me, the king says to him, why are you walking around looking sad? Now, remember, we know why, because he, was, he heard about the condition of his people and he was saddened by it and he just couldn't hide it in his face. So listen to what the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 2. Look at verse 1. In the month of Nisan, in the, in the 20th year of King Xerxes, Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for, for, uh, for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. And I had not been sad in, the, in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are, are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Now, this is in a moment where you see a guy who's in a very good place. Nehemiah has a good job. He's in a good spot. 
Uh, he is working in the palace, got a job that's enviable, one that everybody would want, but he's sad. Now, some people, when they get blessed, they don't care about anybody else. They're not sad, they're not concerned about anybody, they're just thinking about themselves. But Nehemiah is not that kind of guy. Nehemiah is the kind of guy who says, I am not just going to think about me. And the king notices it. And I want to tell you something. People will notice what you're passionate about. You don't have to tell them. People will see it. They'll see it in your actions. They'll hear it in your voice. People will understand how passionate you are by the way you respond to things. So Nehemiah is obviously worn out. He's concerned. And then I love this. Nehemiah is asked to offer a plan. So he's sad, but the king says to him, look at verse 4. The king said to me, what do you want? What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, if it please the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. I want to stop right there for a minute. This is the guy who is passionate. But he's not just a guy who's just feeling something. Because when the king asks him a question, well, what do you want to do about it? Well, you, you are passionate, but what's your plan? Can you explain to me what you plan to do? So here's what I find interesting. A lot of people can tell me what they're worried about, their marriage, their children, but there's no plan. You can tell me about your life, but there's no plan. You don't have any money, but what's the plan? And here's what you're doing. You're asking God, God, give me a plan. He said, no, no, Nehemiah, Nehemiah was asked, what is your plan? So you want to put it all on God. God, I want you to fix my money. God, I want you to fix my health. God, I want you to fix my situation, our relationship. And you're praying. God says, well, uh, that's your relationship. That's your home. That's your life. That's your closet. Clean it up. That's your body. Your body. You live in there. What's your plan? Not asking me to help you lose weight and you eat anything you want. That's not a plan. What's your plan? Now, I'll tell you, you can, you can make it. God, I want you to fix this marriage. I want you to fix this relationship. I, I bind the spirit of division. Okay, so what's your plan to fix the division? What's your plan? Your plan to fix your situation. I don't have a plan. There you go. Well, if Nehemiah had told the king that, nothing would have happened. So I want you to think about this because this is one of the common things that religious people do. Complain without a plan. I think things in the world are bad. Children are really out of control. I believe children are just bad. Well, what's your plan to fix children? What are you going to do with the bad children in your neighborhood? How about you do something for them? See, it's easy to talk. It's easy to say things. But you have no plan to participate in solving anything for yourself or other people. It's just fun to talk about things. <laughs> oh, we're guilty of this now. You know I'm telling the truth. But passion, true passion that's painful, motivates you to not only feel, but to plan. And so watch this. The Bible said, Nehemiah, I prayed to God. He said, God, give me, he took a quick moment. You know, it's one of those moments, right? The king says, what do you want? And he goes, all right, Lord, here we go. Here we go. But watch how much of a thinker he is. Now, I love good thinking. I love a good book, especially books that make me think. I don't want it to be hard with big words I can't understand. 
even though I look them up most of the time. There's four things that stand out to me about Nehemiah. Watch this. First of all, Nehemiah explained the time he needed. He said, I need to take off a designated amount of time, king, to go and fix this problem. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Pause right there, people. Notice, this is a dude on the clock in a calendar. He says, he says I need a specific amount of time. Now, I, want, I can spend the rest of the sermon on this one because some, some of the problem with your plan is it don't have any time in it. In other words, you got a plan, but you don't have time to implement the plan. That's why some churches will never do certain things because they don't, they don't have any time. Their time is already taken up with all their traditions, all their services, all their events and congress and conventions and everything is, everything is <laughs> already planned for the year. So there's no time. But I love this. Nehemiah says, I need time off from doing the cup-bearing work. I can't do the cup-bearing, cup-drink. I used to, uh, you know, used, uh, used to bear the, taste the king's food first, you see. Good job. Just taste it and make sure if it's poisonous, you die first, not the king. Good job. Just make sure you don't give me anything poisonous. So he's got this good job, cushy job. But he says, I, I need, watch this now, I need time off from this to do that. Some of the problem with you and with us and with me and with all of us is we try to do everything at one time. You can't. He couldn't go and fix the walls in Jerusalem and keep his job at the same, in the same schedule. Sometimes you're praying for God to do things. He says, well, I can't do anything because you won't change your schedule. You won't, you won't make time to work out exercise. You won't take out time. You won't, you know, so nothing's going to change because you have not set aside time. He said, I need time. I love that. He needed time. Number two, Nehemiah explained the authority he would need. Verse 7, I also said to him, if it pleased the king, that I may have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. He says, listen now, king, I want to go, but I need some safe, um, I need some ninjas to go with me. Let me put it that way. <laughs> I, need, I need the authority. People need to know that when I come, I'm not just coming in my name, I'm coming with your name. I need the authority to go. You know, sometimes you have a plan, but you don't have the authority to do that. You don't have the right to do that. Now, I could slide into the political arena, but I will not. But I will say this to Christians. Be careful. You're trying to take over everything. Be careful. Taking authority everywhere. Nobody else has rights but us. Our way or the highway. You know how we are. We don't want to make room. I love the fact that Nehemiah said, listen, uh, I don't have authority without your permission. Notice how this godly man is working with this ungodly king to come with a solution for his godly family. He, he, he learned to work with them. This is a political moment, by the way, just so you can see. You don't get everything you want, but you got to get authority. You can't just go and take it unless you got your own army, you see, and then that's a whole nother conversation. So he wanted time. Nehemiah needed authority. And thirdly, Nehemiah explained the financial plan he developed. Now, I love this. 
I love this. This is so, well, I tell you, this, this is hard for religious people. It's hard for church, I'm telling you, for people in general. Look at verse 8. This is amazing. He said, and may I have a letter to Asaph, I, the keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residents and for the residents and for the residents for the residents I will occupy. And and love this now. And, and he said, and because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates and gave them the, the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. Now, I want to pause there for a minute. I want you to think with me for a second. He said, I can't go broke. King, I need, listen, I need some things from you. Number one, I need, I need time off. Number two, I need authority. Number three, I need some money. I have a financial plan. I, have a fin I need a financial plan. Nehemiah understood. You can't go fix the walls and don't have any wood. You can't go fix the wall. You can't. He was clear about that. And then he was clear about one final thing, which I'll talk about in a minute. But let me just, before I get to this last point I want to make today. Notice how mature he is. A lot of times I just sometimes wonder, oh, are we mature enough to understand you need money, resources to do this? You can't do this free. You understand everything costs. You understand? You understand? And there's something about being clear to go, you know, I, I just, man, I, 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 need to, I need to check myself and make sure I'm clear about the money. He says, I need, I need, and then I love this part where he says, if you notice, he said, and I, I, I need something so I can build a house for me. Now, I want to say this, and I want you to see this. He said, uh, I love this part in verse 8. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple of the city wall for the residence I will occupy. Stop right there. Where I'm going to build. So here's what he's saying. I'm not going to go and build the walls for somebody else and my family's outside. He says, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm planning to build me a house too. While we're building, um, um, the Nehemiahs will have a place to live. You are so focused if you're not careful on somebody else that you've forgotten yourself. I see pastors do this all the time. You're so focused on giving to your church or giving to your organizations and giving to people and helping your friends and your family that you almost outside. Yeah, you. Hallelujah. If you're not careful, you're not thinking about yourself at all. Nehemiah was a mature man who understood. I need time. I need authority. I need resources. I cannot do this without those three things. But then there's one more thing he needed. He had to have the ability to step over immature people. Verse 10 is fascinating to me. In chapter 2, listen to what it says. When Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite officials heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Wow. 
You ever seen people get mad and you don't know why they're mad? You don't know why they have an attitude, why they just don't want you to do well, why they just frustrated because, you know, you're advancing or whatever, you got promoted on the job or something happened good for you or somebody's come to help you. They just upset because somebody, why they helping them? I don't know why they helping them. I think that, you know, this is, you got to read, get on in chapter three, it, it gets to be worse. I'm not going to read it all to you. Three, four, I mean, these guys are just off the, off the cliff crazy. I did say that. Did I say off the cliff crazy? Yes, they were. There's no, there's no justifiable reason for them to be mad because they want to help these people. But they just didn't like these Jews. Now, having said that, listen to this. There is a moment in your life when you will encounter a person, and maybe you're dealing with it right now. They just don't like you. And there's nothing you can do about it. There are people, believe it or not, don't like me. Maybe some of you are watching right now. And you really don't, you really, you, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, not your flavored ice cream. I understand. But I didn't do anything to you. I don't even know your name. Why are, you, why are you hard on me? I don't know you. Or maybe if I do know you, I don't know why you'd be upset with me. I, I mean, I'm, I, I tried. I tried. So maybe, okay, maybe, 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 maybe I did something to you. I'm sorry. I apologize. I mean that sincerely. I, I don't, I mean, I, I think there's a moment in life where you just, you just really and truly run into people that just have, things about you, against you. I had a lady one time, maybe you watched it, I don't know if she watched it. <laughs> this happened more than once, so maybe it wasn't you, if it was you. She came to me, she said, I did never liked you. I've always struggled with you. I said, well, why? She said, because you named the church after yourself, Ricky's Temple. <laughs> she was so mad. I said, well, ma'am, my name is Ricky Temple. No, it's not. I said, yeah, it is. I showed him my license. To be precise, it's Ricky Ricardo Temple, to be real. My mama named me Ricky. My aunt named me Ricardo Temple. Bam, there you go. That's me. I said, you've been mad all these years for no reason. People make up stuff. They say things, we have an ATM machine in the church, and he make you go to the ATM machine. That's ridiculous. We ain't got no ATM machine in the church. Ain't nothing wrong with it. We don't. If they had one, I'd use it sometime, but there's no ATM. People say things. People lie. People make up stuff. They say things they heard people say. He asked for your W-2 form when you join the church. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I don't. I never did that. I wouldn't join that church. That's ridiculous. But, um, but people make up stuff and say stuff, and you sit there, and I can go on, you know, other lies and things that people have said. And, you know, I understand that, you know, and there are people that just pass this stuff along, and you just kind of go, you have, to, you have to kind of watch this now. Step over them. Nehemiah understood if he's going to succeed, he cannot dwell on stuff that people make up and, 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 and innuendos or whatever, you know, people make up stuff. You don't do enough for the community. I, we spend thousands, tens of thousands of dollars on the community. What are you talking about? We do all kinds of stuff. We give more, we give, we probably, now watch out, let me stop. Let me pull myself back a little bit. Man, what? I'm in the fight. I just don't always brag. But we give tens of thousands of dollars, millions over the years. Yes, we do. Hallelujah, and I'm proud that we do. But I'll tell you one thing that's true. I've learned this. You can't dwell on that. Some of you spend too much time with people who can't help you advance. There's a series I'm going to do later on in the year about how you can spend time. And, you know, this year I have a question I answer every year, one question. And the question this year is why people don't accomplish things that they say they want to accomplish or why people don't do things they say they're going to do. One of the reasons is because they're not passionately I'm not painfully passionate to get it out here. They're not 
passionate enough. That's why they never will do what they said they're going to do. They don't feel it. You can't feel it. You can't see it in them. They can't explain it. And they never act on it, which is what I'm going to talk about next week. So that's why they never do it. But there's a sermon I'm going to do down the road later on in the year where I'm going to talk about people never do what they say they're going to do because they keep dealing with people who can't help them get to where they want to get to in life. You waste your time with people. You waste your time. These, these guys can't be saved. These guys are never going to change their mind. These are guys who are fixed in a mindset and there's nothing he can do about it. And you know what you have to learn to do? Wipe your tears out of your eyes and say, I can't own that. I can't change that. They don't like me in this office. They don't like me. In this, I, I can't change that. I can do what I can do to be as kind as I can. And maybe there's some things you can check in yourself. I try. If there's things in my personality or things in my, I, I, you know, I'm willing to be open to say, hey, I can do better at that. I can present myself better. I can be more kind or whatever. I'll try. I will. But I'm not, once I've done that, I refuse to allow somebody to become my main event and what I call celebrity of the day or celebrity of the week or celebrity of the year or celebrity of a lifetime. You know those people, right? They want to always be your enemy, always want to have something to say, always want to correct you. Those people, listen, I put you in a special box and let you stay by yourself. Sand Ballot and Tobiah are like that. These are the, excuse the term, dudes you can't help. And sometimes in your life, you have to learn how to be clear about that. You have to say, let me explain to you. Remember I told you, you got to be able to explain. You have to explain what you're going to deal with and what you're not going to deal with. What you're going to do and what you're not going to do. I'm not passionate about trying to change your opinion if you're unreasonable. That will not be my passion to make you get it, family member or not. I'm sorry. I will not make that my passion if you're unreasonable. Now, I understand that I need to be reasonable and willing to consult and talk, but these are two guys you can't change. So I say that to some of you because some of you need to just say, hey, like, you know, Jesus said, you know, you shake the dust off your feet and you move on. Go to a house, offer your best, be kind, but if they won't change, you got to move on. And I think there's a point in your life when you have to stop yourself from, from being overly worried about things. Now, pastor, is that going to be loving? Yeah, speak the truth in love. But watch the wisdom of Nehemiah. He kept on building. There's a great line in Nehemiah. They kept trying to get him to come, these two guys. And, and he said, I can't stop the work. I can't come down from building the walls. I can't stop rebuilding the world around me. I don't have time to sit there and have long discussions about things that I will never change your mind about. He accepted that they would not be his fans and he moved on. And sometimes in your life, you have to accept that these people will never be my fans and that's okay. And I'll pray for them and love them, but I have to complete my wall. And that's what they did. Some of you will never be successful because you can't make that kind of decision. But if you're willing to, and you can focus your time on what you're called to do and what you should be doing, you can have a better life. Now, I want to tell you, my friend, that's called action. And that's what we'll talk about next time. A person who is painfully passionate, you can see it, you can feel it, you can explain it, that passion, you know what you're supposed to be doing, and you can act upon it. And that's what we'll talk about next week, acting upon your passion. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time together. I pray the words we've shared will bring life and help to those who've heard it. 
may give them a clear sense of direction and path for their life. May they find healing and blessing and strength and grace. And may they rise above the temptation to be worried about things. May they rise above the temptation to not have a clear path for their life. May this be the moment in their life they embrace you and embrace the truth. And I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. I've enjoyed being with you. And I want you to know I really like the fact that you spent your minutes with me here today. And I pray what you've heard will help change your life and bless your life. If you like it, link it and send it to a friend and say, hey, let me share something with you to help me. But let me say this. If you're watching me today and you've never given your life to Christ, you've never made a commitment to Christ, I want to pray for you too. So let's pray. Father, I pray for those who say my walk with God needs an improvement. I need to surrender my life to God. Let this be that transforming moment where I open my heart to, to, the, to the love of Jesus and the power of his transformation ability. And may my life be transformed and changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that prayer begins for you a new walk with God. We have some information right there on the screen that you can click on and say, hey, I want you to pray for me, Pastor. I want to give my life to Christ, and I want you to send me some information to help me start my walk with God. We'll be glad to send that to you. If you're online, you can type in the chat. I'll raise my hand, and we'll say, if you say that, the staff will send you something if you're watching on a device that allows that right now. Feel free to do that and say, I want to start my life on a new path. I believe God will help you do that, and I believe that you and I have started something in this conversation that will be a good thing for you. I hope that God blesses you in this day, and I pray that God will continue to bless you. We have live services here at Overcome by Faith every first and second Sunday at 9 and 11 o'clock. That's every first Sunday, 9 and 11. Then we have digital services the rest of the month. That's right. So we're online and we're in person. So you can choose. We'd love to have you come see us in Savannah, Georgia at 9700 Middle Ground Road in person. If you'd like to send me an email or a question or prayer, please do at pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. That's pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being with us. We appreciate you so much. Hope to see you in person in one of our live services again on first and second Sunday. Have a blessed day. We got more coming up. We'll tell you about a few other things that can be happening here at Overcome by Faith. So stay right there. We'll see you later. God bless you. Have a great day. Well, I pray you enjoyed today's message and I pray that it helped you see how important it is not to just have a passion, but be able to explain it. Nehemiah could explain to the king what he wanted, what he needed. He understood the power of authority, he understood the power of resources. He was clear in his mind about where he was going and what he wanted. Are you clear? Let me pray for you. I want you to become a clear person that can explain your passion and map out where you need to go. Let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would bring together the resources that they need to accomplish their passion. I pray, God, as they, their passion burns in their heart, that's wonderful. If they can see their passion, that's wonderful. Well, God, they need to be able to explain it, define it, and lead others through it. Many times they have a passion, but they can't explain it. So let this be a moment where they settle down and allow you to help them find that place of explanation so they're clear and they'll know where they're walking. I thank you for this time, and I pray your blessing in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Hey, thanks for being with me on demand. I love it. On demand, hey, look, put the word in your hand. Get it when you want to, my friend. See you next time. I've got one more sermon in this series. Y'all don't want to miss it, my friend, because when you have passion, you can't just explain it. You have to do something with it. And that's our next talk together. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Pastor Rick. I hope you have enjoyed listening to our messages. I want you to like and share and subscribe. We appreciate you being with us today and help us share the word. Remember, you get to be a part of this. Thank you for being on the team.